Welcome to this episode of ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. First, a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast episode is brought to you by Clearance Jobs Meetings. Give yourself the gift of time and say goodbye to the multiple emails scheduling a meeting can require and let us automate the process for you. Avoid the typical back and forth required to schedule time to chat with a prospective candidate by syncing your calendar with Clearance Jobs Meetings. Learn more at about.clearancejobs.com. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of ClearedCast. I'm Katie Keller, Editorial Communications Manager with ClearanceJobs.com. And today I have Jill Hamilton, our fearless editor at news.clearancejobs.com here with us today. And we're going to do things a little bit differently. So we tend to focus on career advice, candidate seeking content, cleared recruiting content, how to's, what to avoid, how to avoid candidates ghosting you. Today, we're going to focus on the industrial security side. So I'm excited to talk through some reporting requirements, the different reporting agencies that you're supposed to report incidents to. We're going to talk about the different systems that you input those to. Jill, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, hey, good to be here. Absolutely. Great topic. (laughs) It is. It really is. When I was a recruiter collaborating with security in terms of getting candidates onboarded and indocked for contracts, security was a little overwhelming for myself, but I'm excited to dive in. Uh, Clearance Jobs loves to talk about everything security and industrial security is obviously very applicable to our defense contractors that may be seeking out advice. Recently, there has been a little bit of news on the news site regarding self-reporting requirements. So I know the DOD is moving toward codification of the National Industrial Security Program Operating Manual. We can say NISPOM for short. So that's a part of Security Executive Agent Directive or Seed 3 reporting requirements. Today, what we're going to walk everyone through is a job aid that we actually created, and we'll make sure that all of that is in the show notes for folks. But just to provide guidance and assisting contractors for general scenarios for reporting. Right. Let's hash some of these out. Let's go over the first reporting topic. So I was thinking the first one was espionage. You know, somebody's like terroristic activities or or you're just like you see things, what to do for that. I think actually I am. I was joking when I was like hot topic, but it is. I think it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff that you get when you first onboard you know, and you sit through your security training and then you go through, you know, maybe a yearly training and it kind of flies in one year and out the other. So it can actually be hard to remember. So I was really glad that you made this kind of like a little visual so that you can kind of keep it handy. It's small enough too. You could even print it out. Ooh, see, you can size it down even, and then just kind of keep it in there. Like, does this qualify? (laughs) So obviously when you see things that are happening, or you get contacted, maybe you get LinkedIn requests, or somebody is fishing around, just a whole host of ways that that can come in the in the door, you can kind of sit there and be like, okay, now what? What am I supposed to do? Right? The response would be to go to the FBI with that. Like to me, I'd be like, should I just tell my manager? Maybe because I, I would second guess myself, be like, maybe I didn't actually see anything, right? I don't know if you're that way. But so it has to be in writing, submitted to the FBI. And obviously, if it's urgent, you know, a phone call would be warranted. You know, if somebody is directly saying you need to do this activity or 
coming at you with money or different things like that. I mean, that's a call the FBI. Don't don't wait to sit there and type up your sure. <laughs> your report, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that reporting topic, espionage, sabotage, terrorism, subversive activities, be sure to tell your facility security officer, notify the FBI, notify your industrial security representative or your IS rep as we'll you know, do short throughout the rest of this chat. But the DCSA field office, provide them a copy of that written report. That's extremely important as well. Secondly, the reporting topic, adverse information, which kind of goes hand in hand with the 13 adjudicative guidelines. Let's chat through those a little bit. Right. So you're looking at allegiance to the United States, you know, foreign influence, personal conduct, financial considerations drug involvement or substance abuse, criminal conduct, or their use of information technology, whether it's, I'm guessing, either like incorrectly using it by mistake or also incorrectly using it purposefully, right? So any of that negatively reflects on the character of a cleared employee so that they are not actually able to safeguard classified information and maybe they shouldn't have access to it. That all needs to get reported. So the way to go about that is to give it to the Vetting Risk Operations Center. Well, and so, yeah, an important thing to note for that one is don't report information if it's based on rumor, obviously, or office gossip. I will say um, I did have a team at one point in my career that was utilizing JWICs within a SCIF, not in the correct way. So that (laughs) misuse of information technology systems that was something that would be put in as an incident report in DIS or the Defense Information mm-hmm. System for Security. So ensure that if you are working, you know, within those systems that you are using those properly. So you're not using them to chat about your boss in a bad way. <laughs> so right. That all goes along with adverse information. Right. Definitely not something that you picked up at the water cooler that, I mean, the proverbial water cooler since, you know. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> not necessarily what we have anymore, but it's definitely not something that you're, you know, you're standing around just chatting and somebody says, I heard that so-and-so was out, you know, this weekend and they were doing crazy things. You don't take that information and then try to submit it up the chain for sure. But it's definitely something that you are actually witnessing and you've seen evidences of that. And then you would take the steps to submit that, that report. And it would also, you'd want to have like examples too, you know, like this is what happened, not just it falls under this category just to create suspicious and all that type of stuff. I think it's tricky. It's one of those things that's easy to be like, oh yeah, I get what that might look like. But then in the moment, maybe like, well, it feels a little gray, (laughs) right? Hindsight is 20-20 and that goes along with insider threat training and just making sure that these things are at the forefront of your mind and If you do see something, say something, but also don't have any knee-jerk reactions or act on emotion. Moving on to suspicious context, though, I think that's a little self-explanatory. Any efforts by an individual to gain unauthorized access to classified information, to elicit information from you as a national security employee that does have access. So you report that one in writing. That's going to be to your counterintelligence special agent and your DCSA IS rep, excuse me. So report that to your facility security officer and facility security officers. That is the report recipient for you folks. So moving on to change in status, Jill, walk us through that. Okay. So 
changes in status, change of name, you get fired, or if you're reporting that employee has has died, you know, or even a change in citizenship, those things can also be entered into this kind of through all the, the same same channels. But those are the things I'm sure that happen all the time, that you're not necessarily faced with as an employee, but more that you'd be seeing that like management would be ha- like they have to put in those different requests with their security office to submit into the system. But a lot of those are more, you know, run of the mill changes, but it's also important to make sure that you're not missing them. Like, especially like a name change if somebody gets married or, you know, they, that might seem like you, you remember to change it on your driver's license, but you forgot you actually have to submit that at work as well. You know, not just for your email change <laughs> if you wanted that. That's true. <laughs> Well, and as we make this move from JPass and try to streamline and get to DIS or through that rollout, mm-hmm. it's important for security officers to understand these different scenarios and reporting topics because, you know, this, along with citizenship by naturalization, that would all be put into DIS, including someone, you know, an employee that doesn't want to have access to information or doesn't want to perform work in that classified environment anymore. That would all be DIS. But again, those first mm-hmm. topics that we discussed, you're not going to just put an incident report in DIS. You're going to, you know, write to the FBI. You're going to write to your counterintelligence special agent, your DCSA rep. So including someone who doesn't want to have access to classified information or work on that program anymore, someone who's going to refuse to sign a non-disclosure agreement. That would be put into DIS as well, but as a customer service request. That's an important sort of tweak there. Yeah, I think uh, even when you like just circling back on some of them, it's been interesting to look at like with the suspicious context even John Davis has written a bit about that on our site with just different scenarios where you might find yourself like you went out after work and somebody asks you a question that they seem like they know just a little bit more information and, you know, you might be more relaxed or if you're travel for work and suddenly somebody just seems to know who you are or have an awareness about you and asking weird questions, those types of things can lead to different contexts reaching out to you. So I think it's helpful to see those different scenarios I was even thinking with the espionage back in August, Christopher Burgess wrote on how in this large organization, this person was contacted by a Russian who just actually pled guilty and because <laughs> he wanted to have malware, he wanted him to do it within the company, this, this, this um, employee. And thankfully, they actually contacted the FBI, called them, you know, didn't put it, you know, (laughs) in writing. So everything went as planned and they were able to catch the the person trying to do this. So I think it's, it's helpful to know the right process for all these different things. Absolutely. And if I remember correctly, that was even, uh, that was, uh, I mean, you know, Elon Musk, he owns other companies, but that was Tesla, which... Yeah, those side. uh, That's a very important point for the private sector as well. Insider threats, especially tech in Silicon Valley, those companies are still vulnerable to foreign actors or nefarious actors. So uh, that's Mm -hmm. a very good reminder that everyone is not immune to insider threats. Absolutely. So a few other of the reporting requirements that I found important. Again, we will put this infographic in the show notes. Changing in conditions, for example, a facility security clearance. So changing conditions that is going to affect 
a contractor's eligibility for access to classified information. For example, like your facility security clearance, if you actually have a SCIF built out at your contractor, I know some of the larger contractors do, that's Mm -hmm. an important piece. So that facility security clearance sort of system of record is going to be the National Industrial Security System, which is NIST. So our candidate or recruiter Mm -hmm. audience may not know about that system, but facility security officers certainly do. Again, you're going to put in a note into NIST and that'll therefore go to your DCSA rep. Yeah. Of course, obviously to emergency situations that might make you suddenly unable to safeguard classified information. I'm thinking some areas that might get hit more by, you know, even hurricanes or tornadoes or things that might impact the facility. Those also go in writing, same place for NIS to your IS rep. Noting uh, natural disasters. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. for me being on the East Coast, maybe some of the contractors that are, you know, going to be in the Midwest are going to experience at different timeframes in the year. But that's something that I would have never thought about. But that's a good point too, Jill. Right. Especially down like that. Yeah, if you're in like a hurricane zone, I could imagine, you know, depending on how close you are to the water, all those things can easily get impacted. And then uh, different vulnerabilities identified in security equipment. So if there's been intrusions that are detected, your access control systems, you know, anything in your communication security equipment that went down, those have to be submitted as well. You know, I think sometimes you can think, you know, just as the normal employees, like, what does the facility security officers do? But it's important to know that they not only have to, like, they have a lot of different reports to have to follow up on, but just the, keeping their knowledge up to date on any changing requirements or just to make sure you remember all these things, because it is a lot to track, you know, to make sure that you are in compliance with everything. Absolutely. So. I mean, it goes way beyond just personal security. You know, they're working on communication security, ComSec physical security most of the time, information security. I know, uh, I think every FSO that I've worked with in the past has also been an ISSO. So, mm-hmm. you know, facility security officers or industrial security folks, you definitely have a huge cog in sort of the national security machine. Mm-hmm. One thing that I found, unauthorized receipt of classified material you know, I think any greener candidates that are coming into the national security workforce, that's maybe something that they wouldn't think about. Could you walk us through what to report there for security officers or what the greener candidates maybe should look out for? Yeah. So anything that you're not authorized to have, whether it's either like a higher security clearance level than you have, for instance, you got a top secret document handed to you and you only have secret. So the report should identify who the sender was for that the originator, like who who originally had it, put put that together, how much you saw or like what's all in the report is like the whole entire document, subject or title, you know, the dates, classification level, and then submit that in writing to your information security rep so that they have documentation that you accidentally got this. It wasn't intentional. It's above your security level. And that goes in goes in writing. Because I think it can be, not that it's easy to do, but at the same time, like if people are careless or not paying attention or don't realize, you know, or if it's moved from where it belongs in the SCIF to outside that, then that's also another issue that would probably come up within that report as well. 
One thing out of this job aid that we created for folks that I found really interesting, and maybe it's just because I don't work in security, Jill. So maybe I'm letting everybody know how ignorant I am right now. But employee information that has been compromised, that's another thing uh, to report. Mm -hmm. But that's report upon request of Cognizant Security Agency or CSA. I'm not familiar with that, but that's another one that I found surprising out of you know, the NISPOM C3 reporting requirements that I just wasn't aware of in the past. Yeah, me neither, actually. And, you know, I've held a couple jobs myself and, you know, you get the briefings and things. But like I said, like things just sometimes just don't stick or terms change from when you had the briefing before you would click through the trading. (laughs) So well, maybe that means that we haven't done anything wrong security wise, Jill. What do you think about that? that that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> Our interests are in the right place. <laughs> right, exactly. There's two more reporting topics. Could you walk us through those? And then we'll tell everybody where to get this beautiful infographic that we created. There's the disposition of classified materials would be along this, those same lines of getting rid of uh, the whereabouts of disposition of material terminated from accountability, discovered, brought back into accountability. If that happens, that also goes in writing. Then there's also like any foreign classified contracts, like any pre-contract negotiation or the awards not placed through that CSA, the Cognizant Security Agency, that gets reported as well in writing to the information security rep. And that one's really interesting. And a lot of times really business development folks or folks that are involved in sort of the pre-proposal process, ensuring that if you are having those conversations, it is something to report. I know that Mm -hmm. I've worked at companies who have gone through those conversations with other foreign allies, but still something that you do need to report to DCSA or to your facility security officer, and they would need to report it to DCSA. Reporting is very important from the facility security officer side. Continuous evaluation is rolling out in tandem with sort of the periodic reinvestigations right now. Self-reporting requirements on the personal security side, those are very important as well. So everybody needs to ensure that they are up to date Mm -hmm. on all of those trainings. So beautiful infographic we created for facility security officers. It's a job aid. It's an aid. So for an entire list of reportable activities and reporting requirements, you're going to need to go to the NISPOM C3. We can't fit them all on one infographic, unfortunately. Uh, So Jill, I really appreciate you joining me today. For everyone who's listening or watching, be sure to follow us, subscribe. We also have great security news updates that we release on our YouTube channel every week. Very important, very hot news topics, topics that you may not be aware of or that you are aware of, but you don't think you need to report. Be sure to tune in, be sure to subscribe, and you can find this infographic at news.clearancejobs.com. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. To learn more career advice, you can visit news.clearancejobs.com. 